podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Ken 7 podcast and we've got another football chat and joining me today for a little chat is none other than Mr Transfer himself, James Pearce. James, how are you mate? Very good, thanks Gav, you okay? Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Um, we'll crack on because I know you're a busy man. First of all, what I just wanted to ask you about was, because I've not spoke to you for quite a while, I just wanted you to try and review that season that we've just had. Um, it was, you know, pretty unbelievable. Not the season we expected, but we got the, a decent result in the end. I mean, how did you see it? Yeah, it was a, I mean, it was a... A real roller coaster of emotions. I think it was, you know, when you when you break it down, it was almost in in kind of three chunks. I think, you know, the, the first half of the season up until Christmas and New Year, you know, it was there was obviously problems, but for a long time, Liverpool looked like they were going to kind of really triumph in the face of adversity. You know, despite losing Van Dijk and then losing Gomez, you know, the fact that still top of the Premier League at the at the turn of the year, and you you're thinking, you know, well, maybe. Maybe they can actually go on and re- retain the title, and then of course from from then through to kind of March time, you know the wheels absolutely came off. You know, unprecedented in Liverpool's entire history to to lose six on the bounce at home, and you know confidence just looked absolutely shot to bits. Um, you know, of course the injuries played a part, but it was also you know key personnel seemed to have lost their way, and you know and at one point I think probably after that home defeat to, to Fulham. I think most Liverpool fans and probably myself included just wanted the season to end because you just thought, you know, this is just a mess. Nothing's going to be salvaged from this. And then um, I think you've got to give Klopp and his staff and all the players a huge amount of credit for the way in which they they dug themselves out of that hole because, um, you know, of course, third place wasn't where Liverpool wanted to be. It wasn't where they, you know, wasn't the target when they set off um, at the start of the season. But that was a hell of an achievement. When when you think of all the obstacles thrown in their path to to not only qualify for the Champions League but to climb as high as third was was very very impressive. Of course, um, I mean, I, I must admit myself, I I didn't. I thought we were the only team that could put a run on, but there was no evidence whatsoever to suggest that we could actually put that run on. And um, the fact that it came. So late in the season, I mean, like you say, it's testament to to Jurgen Klopp and his team that they they stuck with it. You know, there was a lot of calls for. I think we need to change formation. We need to change the way we play. We maybe should drop the, the defensive line ten yards. You know, to compensate, and they didn't do that. Um, why do you Why do you think that is? Well, I think Klopp. You know, he, first of all, he doesn't panic. You know, even even when things were really bleak. You know, I'd speak to people behind the scenes and, you know, and they'd say, no, 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 it's, you know, he's, if anything, you know, he's even more positive. He's even more buoyant. You know, it, that was, I think Klopp knows that probably his job is even more important, you know, when, when things are so, so difficult and there haven't been many difficult spells for him during his, what, coming up to six years at, at Anfield. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, he stuck to his guns. I think, um and I think there were some big decisions he made that ultimately, you know, paid real dividends. I think the biggest one was definitely restoring Fabino to to the holding midfield role because, um, you know, I think you know hindsight's a wonderful thing, and you can say, oh, he, you know, he should have done it earlier. But 
Um, I, I think he was surprised himself, Klopp, by just how much Nat Phillips came on over the course of that season. And, you know, I think it went almost from like thinking, well, you can play Nat Phillips against a certain standard of opponent who play in a certain way, you know, maybe where it's all about winning aerial duels to, to actually go, well, actually, you know, Nat Phillips has proved himself against top opposition here. You know, he's, he's played in big Champions League games. He's got the temperament. He's got the technique. He's got the belief in himself. And then, you know, that obviously enabled Klopp to, to stick Fabinho back in his rightful position. And then I think we just saw the knock-on effect to that because it's no coincidence that Thiago played his best football of the season when he had Fabinho back alongside him in, in midfield. It gave him a bit more freedom. I think we saw earlier on in the season that, you know, when Thiago's left, to carry out a lot of the defensive midfield duties on his own. That's not really his game. Mm. Um, so I thought, you know, from having a really tough first season in England, Thiago ended up in the kind of form that just absolutely whets your appetite for what he can go on to achieve for Liverpool uh, next season. Um, so, so yeah, there was, you know, and obviously Salah's goals were massively important as well. You know, Firmino, someone who'd taken a lot of stick, he scored some important goals during during the running. So, um, yeah, when, when the stakes were high and when, you know, it looked like the season had gone, um, it, that was, that was a, a fantastic effort all round. And I, I think, you know, people, I saw some people scoffed when Klopp said, you know, getting top four ranked alongside, you know, his biggest achievements. But I think he was spot on. That wasn't just a manager. Sometimes managers say things just to put a, you know, a positive spin on, on a disappointment, but, yeah, when you think that, you know, the fact that with the greatest respect for, to Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, you back at the start of the season, no one would have believed you if you if they you if you told them that you'd be going into crunch Premier League games with those two at the back because they were effectively the fifth and sixth choice centre backs. No, I completely agree with that, and I, I I I sometimes think, or I have thought that the experience we've had last season is going to stand us in good stead for the next few years. You know, the fact that they've overcome that adversity and they've overcome adversity before, of course they have, but I don't think anything really compares to what we, we've dealt with last season. And, the, you know, the, I, I, there was one of the, the players' quotes was that they felt they were running in quicksand. It didn't matter how hard they worked. It just got worse and worse and worse. So I'm hoping that that's going to stand us in good good stead for next season and, a, and maybe, a, you know, a few additions to the squad will help that. Just what you get to get your reaction to the, the fixture list, uh, which has been in announced today I don't know whether you've had time to to have a look at it and sure I'm sure you you possibly have a quick have had a quick look of it what what's your reaction to it yeah I think um it always makes me laugh a little bit when there's, there's a bit of a buzz and excitement when the fixtures come out and I've I always just think you know what does it does it really matter when when you play different teams uh you know and you know and it's there's always a quick look in there to see you, know, you always look to see when the derbies are at Goodison and when you play United and probably the Christmas fixtures but um, no, I, I think I think it's been. I, I wouldn't have any complaints with that. I think you know, obviously Norwich and and then Burnley is a you know a relatively gentle introduction to the to the new season, and then a you know a really big game against Chelsea at home, and then and then Leeds away. So um, so yeah, I don't you know I don't I don't think Liverpool can have any complaints about you know what they've what they've been given there, and you know the other thing with the fixtures is of course. You, know, you look at the fixtures, but you know full well that once the TV companies get hold of them, they'll, they'll bear absolutely no resemblance <laughs> to what we've seen come out today, anyway. So, um, so yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to it because um, you know, I, I think more than anything, just touch wood, the prospect of 
of Anfield being full again because um, you know even even on that you know the last last weekend of the season, even though it was only a small number of fans allowed back in, you know it, it just makes one hell of a difference. And um, you know I was very fortunate to be able to still go to Anfield all the way through the you know football played during the pandemic, but. I'd be lying if I said to you it was a particularly enjoyable experience because it it was absolutely soulless without supporters. So that's that's the big thing I'm looking forward to. Yeah, of course. I mean, at, at the Echo have done a, a a little bit of an in-depth look. I had a quick look, and they said that it, it's quite favourable for us after Champions League games, um, which is always a big thing once you get into the season. But I totally get your point that it doesn't really matter what the you know what the the fixture list is like. It does look like quite a balanced. Um, set of fixtures, does it? There doesn't seem to be any bottlenecks where you've got you playing the top six, which I think we we kind of had this season. Um, do you do you think that you know the the Champions League aspect of it is is quite an important thing, and that's filed favourably for us? So yeah, I think you know uh, you know I haven't had the chance to properly study all the the dates yet, but um, but no, from, certainly from first glance, I think I think Liverpool can be can be pretty happy with the cards they've been dealt. I think one of the other things I picked up was that there's only two leagues league games during that Africa Cup of Nations period. Um, is that from your understanding? Is 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 that how it's going to work? Yeah, well, I, th- I think that I think that's mainly because there's two two rounds of the FA Cup. I think scheduled for January, um, which probably helps Liverpool a bit, to be honest, because you know, <laughs> with the uh, I think we've seen under Klopp that you know the FA Cup isn't exactly high on the list of priorities and you know Liverpool have had a pretty pretty bleak record in the competition in recent years that's tended to have been a mixture of having tough draws and the fact that he's used it to rotate heavily um so so yeah I think we, we're not sure exactly how long at the moment obviously Mane and Salah would be away and you know Cater obviously falls into that that group as well because you know I'm sure there'll be some kind of training camp leading up to the Africa Cup of Nations and then obviously Depending on how far their nations go in the knockout stages, but yeah, you're right, and it, you know even the fact that I think the two are, are Brentford and Palace, so it's not like it's not like you face the prospect of them, you know, being away for you know for City or United or Chelsea. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's not ideal, is it? I think you know Klopp, Klopp, you know, left anyone in no doubt why he felt about the Africa Cup of Nations being moved to, to mid-season again because you know it, it does create a headache <coughs> for him. Um, but you know, and I think that's something that has to be factored in when it comes to finalising the squad ahead of the new season. Because um, yeah, you you just have to make sure you've got sufficient cover in that department. Of course, and I was lucky enough to just pick up um, before we spoke um, that you've just written an article about John Newby in light of the Christian Eriksen um, incident that happened in the the Euros. Do you want to just talk us through that? Yeah, I mean, not John Newby. A lot of Liverpool fans would be remember the name from Liverpool's um, FA Youth Cup winning team from 1996. He was uh, you know, a, a, a striker, played in the same team, of course, as, as Michael Owen, Jamie Carragher, David Thompson. Uh, went on to play four times under Gerard Houllier in the first team and then had a decent career in the Football League with teams like Berry and, and Huddersfield and um, and then kind of dropped into to non-league and um, was lucky enough to spend some time with him earlier on this week and... Um, yeah, it's you know, he's had a really tough few years where his life has been turned upside down, really. It was towards the end of his playing career in 2014 when he started getting dizzy spells and collapsing playing football. 
Um, and then it happened again when he, you know, he, he moved into coaching. He was Liverpool um, under 11s coach at the academy. Um, you know, Alex, Alex Inglethorpe had got him on board there, and he um, again collapsed during a, when he was taking a training session at Kirby and had to be rushed to hospital. And you know, it took them you know, over three years to to even try and get to the bottom of what it was. And then he was diagnosed with this, you know, this this rare heart condition. Um, and has had to undergo surgery and had an internal defibrillator fitted, um, which you know he described it as almost like having a, a paramedic with you 24 hours a day because it you know it's if his heart the, the heart uh, beat gets too high then it, it regulates it and actually electric shocks him and and and, and brings the rhythm back to a um, to normal again. So um, yeah, he's he's had to change a lot of things in terms of his life. He can't obviously. I mean, he's, says about how much he misses playing football these days even even basic things like having a kick around with his football mad kids is is a very risky thing for him now um but yeah i think you know it's what was nice to hear was he said that liverpool and in particular alex inglethorpe have been absolutely amazing to him he said you know they couldn't have been more supportive he said you know because of his his health concerns it was pretty impossible for him to go back to doing his previous job being out on the turf every day um, because it just would have been too active and too dangerous for him. So Liverpool have appointed him as their their Manchester recruitment scout for ages nine to thirteen, and and it's a job that he loves, and you know it, it means that he's still involved in football. Um, so yeah, he said you know watching obviously what happened with Christian Eriksen brought back some some pretty tough memories for him. But um, yeah, he's a he's a very resilient and a very brave guy, and um, yeah, hopefully people will enjoy reading his story. Yeah, I would advise anyone to just go and have a little read of that because I, I found it fascinating. Um, but it, very interesting that you said to me that the um, only eighty percent of cases people who have this condition get picked up in a post mortem, not while they're alive. Yeah, and it, and I think that's the thing because I think probably a lot of people, and I probably ask myself the same thing after what happened with Christian Eriksen. You think, well, how how can this happen in this day and age where we just associate, especially elite sport, with you know the absolute best medics the absolute you know they have they must have every test under the sun you know how do these things not get not get picked up but he said you know, it, these things are very very difficult to detect and you're right you know that was the the stat that he said he was told that you know 80 percent of people with his condition it's only discovered once once they're actually dead which is you know absolutely frightening isn't it and um he said you know there isn't one test that that can that can find this condition it's a whole host of series of of tests and i think it was called cardiac mapping that he had that um where, where they kind of repeatedly speed up and then slow down your heart that that's what it took to to establish exactly what was what was wrong with him so um so yeah it's um you know i, I you know i think for that reason you know he just you know despite the changes he'd had to make to his life and he said you know it's tough as well the fact that you know every six months he has to take his his kids for all these tests as well because it is possible that they could um they could inherit the, the same condition as well um from him but he is one of the lucky ones because he is he is still around to to talk about it and um you know he said it is tough mentally i think um and he knows he's got a lot more surgery ahead because these internal defibrillators that you know under the skin just just above your heart you know they have to be replaced every seven to ten years and that is a pretty you know it's uh you know it's not an easy thing to do because you know the wires that connect the the defib to your heart go through all the veins into your heart so um 
so yeah, um, it's been a you know a really really tough few years for you know he's a he's such a lovely lovely genuine fella John Newby and um, but yeah you know, it was I think just even saying recently the 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 FA Youth Cup winning team from '96 had like a a 25th anniversary reunion in Liverpool City Centre in a pub there and I think you know he he just feels very fortunate that he was still around to to meet up with his his former teammates again and. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly something I think where there's definitely more research has to be done because um, you know obviously probably you know traditionally we we we, kind of, we think about heart problems being associated with people that aren't you know that aren't in in very good health and aren't particularly fit, but it's just not the case. And um, you know he said in fact in his case he was told that it was all the high intensity training that he'd done during a football career that had, you know spanned over twenty years that that had actually done the damage to to his heart and um and, and the other thing that he's pushing for which I think is really important and I've you know, I've heard a number of other campaigners talking about it in the wake of what happened with Christian Eriksen is the need to have these defibrillators available at, at every grassroots game at every age group because um you know someone said to me it should be like you know like you have a fire extinguisher in every building you know it should be the same with a defibrillator because um yeah you might not ever need one and touch wood you won't but if um you know, it it literally is the difference between life and death. And um, you know, John said himself that I think once you get beyond three minutes when you've had a cardiac arrest, I think every every minute reduces your chance of survival by seven percent. And that that's why having these defibrillators nearby um, are, are so absolutely crucial. No, it's a good point. It's good to see him doing doing well now. Is he is he going to take that further in terms of creating? Did he mention uh, starting some sort of charity in terms of? The, the grassroots yeah well I think he's just throwing his weight behind us I think there's um there's, there's a few existing charities that he's involved in I mean the, the guy who did the surgery on him is a is a very vocal voice um a professor Sharma his name is and um so yeah I think he's back in that campaign to to try and ensure that there is you know that, that you know that on the back of this because it is such a topical issue at the moment that there is some kind of proper, you know, lasting change to ensure that, um, you know, as as fewer people as possible are, are afflicted by what is, you know, it, it's you know, it's a silent killer in many ways. The fact that, you know, it's for some people, it, you know, it's it, there isn't any symptoms whatsoever in in until they actually find themselves in that in that situation where they're in a cardiac arrest. If you're enjoying this video so far, please show your support for the Ken Seven channel by subscribing, clicking the like button and also clicking the notifications button as well to get future broadcasts. If you could also share the video on your Twitter and Facebook account, that will show YouTube's algorithm that you like our content. Have you heard about Ken7 merchandise? The link is in the description of this video. We have premium fanware for fans covering Liverpool, Celtic and Scotland. And it's fanware for young and old. So we have t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, caps, mugs, you name it, we've got it. Just something else to remember, every purchase that is made on our website, we donate to the Marina Dalgalish Appeal. So you're helping a great cause as well. Of course. Um, I can't have you on a podcast without talking about transfers. So um, first of all, you, you, you did an article um, by... 
Ibrahima Ibrahima Canate's first coach, Reda Bekti. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, which I found quite I found quite interesting. What did you what did you find out about Canate? Obviously, he's our first big summer signing. Yeah, very intelligent, you know, articulate, uh, driven. I think um certainly when you look at his background, it was uh, myself and my colleague Kiva O'Neill, we spoke to kind of his his first coach at Paris FC and then his first manager at Sochal who gave him his senior debut and his his captain at that club as well. And they um they all spoke glowingly in terms of um you know the the attitude and application of the man. I mean he was he was thrown in at the deep end really when he was at Sochal. I think it was a, a League Cup quarter final in France, only only seventeen and um you know Radamel Falcao was 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 playing for for Monaco that day, and you know, ironically, Fabino was actually on the bench. I think with with Mbappe, and um, and they said, you know, he was, you know, when he was told he was playing, you know, not a hint of nerves. It was, you know, you know, it was like I'm going to go and study who I'm up against. I'm going to get myself an early night, and I'm going to focus on on my job in hand. And um, so, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, he comes from from a, a really good family that you know it's the, the people the, the coaches were saying that you know his his family really want were adamant he had to continue his education um you know he went he moved you know the best part of 300 miles away from home as a as a as a teenager um mainly because they loved the educational setup at Sochal and and you know moving away from from Paris where he grew up but he he absolutely blossomed and the same I think you know you speak to anyone at Leipzig when you know he was still a teenager when he went there and um you know he, he just embraced everything around it in terms of the language the culture being an important part of the dressing room and um and yeah he's had you know he has had some injury problems in the last couple of seasons i think it was you know, a hip flexor issue that that obviously limited his amount of football um but you know he still played i think what was it close to 100 games for leipzig um and you know he's still so young as well for a center back and um yeah, I, I think it's a really, really shrewd investment from Liverpool, and 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 I think he just ticks all the boxes in terms of, you know, he's he's a he's a big hulking figure in terms of you know powerful, um, you know, six foot four. We know you know the the importance of winning those aerial duels, but he's also quick. You know, you speak to people about him as well, and they said you know he's ide- ideally suited to playing in a high line because he's got that pace to recover and reads the game well, and he's comfortable with the ball at his feet. So. I think when you throw all those things together, you, you can see exactly why he was at the top of Klopp's uh, summer wish list. It's all exci- exciting stuff. Everything you've said there, it, it, apart from, I think most Liverpool fans' concerns is the injury record. But again, you know, anyone can get injured. It, it, it happens. It's Allison's been injured nearly every season for some spell. It, it happens. So you can't discount someone just on that basis. If I um, if I mention some names, can you give me your understanding of where we're at and if there's any if there's any credibility into it? Yeah. Yeah. So my first one, and which I'm quite excited about, is Florian Neuhaus. Um. Yeah, I think there's there's certainly he's certainly a player Liverpool have had watched. I think um, whether whether it goes any further than that, I think is too too soon to say. I mean, I I wrote a piece, I think it was around the time that Canate got done, just to say that you know further business for Liverpool was likely to happen, you know, later on in the summer rather than nothing else being imminent. And you know, you know, well, that must be what probably three weeks ago now. 
um, because you know I think of course the Euros has an impact with um, you know no international manager is going to want players sorting out club futures during the tournament and, and I think also for Liverpool um, you know it's it's not a case of they they have to sell to buy but you know there's no doubt that in terms of how much money they've got to spend this summer it will be influenced by how much they can generate from sales. And that, that is a difference. You know, I'm not saying they have to sell Harry Wilson to be able to bring in a, a one album replacement, but of course, how much you can generate from, you know, Gruwich, I think is pretty much nailed on to go Wilson. Um, you know, you've got Origi, potentially Shakiri. Um, you know, to see what happens with someone like Minamino. And then you've got, you know, probably the, the lesser lights like Carius and, um, Shea Ojo and people like that so I think at the moment it, there's a bit of an unknown in terms of how much Liverpool can generate from that so you know are you in the market for I don't know a 30 or 40 million pound player or in you, are you in the market for a, a 10 or a 20 million pound player so um, so yeah I think um, c- clearly I think you know uh, the, the other the other the other priorities this summer have to be another centre midfielder and another attacking option because I think um you know, I know. You know, when I wrote that piece a few weeks ago, I was told that you know that, that when Alden replacement replacement wasn't viewed as like an absolute necessity because you know the, the again the people I spoke to who said that you know we'll, we'll look at you know Fabino won't be playing centre half next season, so you know he will be back in that midfield as a permanent fixture. Of course, Thiago is going to be much more influential as well. You'll have Henderson back from injury. They see Curtis Jones playing a lot more football, but. I, I still think it would be a real risk not to replace Wijnaldum when you look at the amount of minutes he played. As much as you know, mm. aside from the fact he was such a, a complete midfielder, um, and and I think you know you, you have to be honest and say, well, you don't know what you're going to get out of Cater and Oxley Chamberlain if they yeah. stay put. Which you know Klopp said towards the end of the season that he still retained faith in them, and and if that is the case, and if they do stay put, well, you know, with the injuries they've had. You know, I, I think it requires a leap of faith to think that one of those is just suddenly going to become, um, you know, a, a key part of that midfield again. So, um, so yeah, the midfielder, I think another midfielder is is key in my mind. And then I think also, you know, with what we talked about earlier on with with Mane and Salah going off to the Africa Cup of Nations, I think coupled with the fact that um, you know you've got you've got the Olympics as well. We don't know what's going to happen there at the start of the season in terms of potentially Minamino. And Salah wanted for the Olympics as as overage players, and and I, I just think surely the time has come where you've got to upgrade on Divock Origi. I think, yeah, you know, Div- Divock Origi is an absolute legend for the iconic moments that he's given us over the years. But you you can't, you know, as much as you love Divock Origi, and you know, and he's he's such a a great fella. Um, I just think surely a parting of the ways makes sense for all parties this summer because um, you know it has gone stale for him at Liverpool in terms of you know from the the glorious high of of that night in Madrid in 2019 and and signing that new contract subsequently. So um, you know I think the only thing for Liverpool there is you know is probably his stock has fallen where where you know it's probably where you know a year ago you were talking about. 20 potentially even 25 million for Origi I think probably going to have to be a bit more realistic at you know 12 to 15 I think maybe because um 
yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact that he didn't make you know the uh, the Belgium squad for the Euros and it wasn't even on the standby list, I think, you know, that that kind of shows you, you know, where um, where he's at at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he he must be thinking himself that it'd be it'd be in his interest to to move on. So we were we were chatting about a replacement for uh, for Rigi there. Have you heard any? There's there's rumours about Pats and Dakar. Have you heard anything to contradict that, or have you heard any positivity that the club would be interested in someone like that? No, I must. Have, I've not. I've not heard anything um, anything concrete whatsoever on on Dakar. So he's you know a player that keeps on. Keeps on getting linked, but then, you know, to be honest, at the moment, it seems like there's about three or four new names every every day that that gets thrown up. So, um, so no, like, like I said, I think it, it was thing. I think anything like that will be will be later on in the window. You know, Liverpool yeah. don't report back to pre-season till the till the twelfth of July. I think ideally, Klopp would love to have the squad. You know, pretty much. You know where he wants it by then, but I think also you know that he will know that's just that's just not realistic this summer with with the Euros, with the Copper America, um, with the way that the transfer market is, with you know the lack of money um, that's 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 sloshing around at the moment as COVID continues to take its toll. So um, yeah, I think despite the fact ideally you want to get things done early, I, I think it's inevitable that there'll there'll be a lot of business late on. Yeah, I, I mean, just bearing in mind that the other financial aspects you were talking about there, does does that take Tielemans out of the equation for you? Whether it takes him out of the equation, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, I think you know he's you know he, he's a he's a fantastic footballer, Tielemans. Where I question whether how realistic it was was you know you're talking about trying to take a starter off another you know top five, top six Premier League club, and as we know. You know that comes that will come with a, a massive premium. Yeah. So um, that that's what makes me doubt that. I mean, you know, would you know it was you know, it, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure if you ask Klopp, do you like Tielemans? I'm sure the answer would be yes. Who doesn't like Tielemans? But I'm just not convinced that um, that he would be available at a price that would that would that would make sense really. And um, you know, the same I suppose another name that keeps on getting mentioned is Rafina. It, at Leeds as you know as an potential attacking option but again you know we we know when you do business with other premier league clubs that you know you you do end up paying a paying a premium so um so yeah i'm you know players like that you know i'm uh, you know, i'm i'm sure they are on liverpool's radar of course they are because they've been performing at, at the highest level but um but yeah certainly at the moment i'm not aware that that Anything is, um, is 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 close to, to to becoming a reality. Okay. Before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you about a couple of Liverpool players. Um, first of all, Nat Phillips. Have you? I mean, I watched his interview the other day with the the Echo, and there was something um, I saw on Twitter before that Newcastle might be interested in Burnley, might be interested. And in. what's your understanding of Nat Phillips's future? Yeah. Well, I think. I, I was told recently that the plan is that Nat Phillips will do pre-season, certainly start pre-season at Liverpool. I think um, I think I think there is a decision to be made there by all parties. I, I think it's probably too. I, I wouldn't say with any degree of certainty he will go or he will stay because I think genuinely I don't think parties even know that like what will happen there. Because I, I think I think the other big thing at the moment is not knowing 
exactly what kind of shape Van Dijk, Gomez and Matip are in come the start of the season. Because what you can't do is you can't, you know, you might get an attractive offer for Nat Phillips now, but then, you know, then in, you know, in five, six weeks time, you know, one of those three centre-backs coming back is, you know, it, it turns out they're not as far down the road as, as initially thought. And then you've left yourself short. So um, I'm very much in the five centre-backs camp. I think oh, we need min- five going into this. Yeah, I think it, absolute minimum. I think it's five. Yeah. I think it's five. And then, you know, because I think the other thing is, I think I look at Reese Williams and I think he's a player that could probably do with a loan next season. Yeah. So, so I, I think it has to be five centre-backs and then, you know, whether you have, you know, Cometio as, as the sixth centre-back, maybe, but it's got to be five so five and Fabinho, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolute minimum. Because, yeah. I mean, more than anything else, we know that players who come back from serious long-term injuries, they quite often come back and are absolutely fine for a few weeks and then pick up little niggling issues that then sideline them for a little bit. Then when you throw into the mix, you know, Joel Matip, his injury record even before this latest one was you know, terrible as well. And, um, you know, Touchwood, Joe Gomez had, had played a lot more football in recent years, but before that he'd had a couple of serious injuries. So, um, yeah, five centre-backs, absolute minimum. Um, obviously the three lads coming back, you've got Canate. Um, but, you know, I, to be honest, I, I hope now Philip stays. I hope he stays yeah. as, you know, whether it is, you know, kind of fourth or fifth choice. Um because you know, I just think he's such a useful player to have around, and he's also he's such a, a down to earth, humble, decent fella that he's great to have around. He, he's not going to be one of those people that if they're not playing, he becomes a bit of a headache. So, um, so no, I, um, I, I, I hope he stays around. But I can also see, you know, if, if those three centre backs we mentioned, if they come back in pre season. They're all staying fit and healthy, performing to a decent level. Canate hits the ground running. Um, and Nat Phillips is thinking, well, hang on a minute. I could go to somewhere else and play Premier League football every week. Um, then I can understand why there could potentially be a deal to be done there. But um, I think one thing we do know is that his value will have gone up a hell of a lot in yeah. the space of 12 months compared to whatever it was. You know, It was a very nominal fee that, that Swansea were going to be paying for him when he was on the verge of going there a year ago and you know now you know having proved that you know he, he belongs in the Premier League you know you know to to me he's uh you know probably I don't even know what what you what we price him at eight million maybe eight to eight to ten I don't think that's that's Easy. ridiculous when when you see what he did for Liverpool during that running. So um so from Liverpool's perspective there may even be a feeling that you know what his value may never be higher than it is this summer. But then you have to balance that with the fact you might actually need Nat Phillips to stick around. Is there a reality where Ben Davis actually plays football? <laughs> um, well, again, um, and I checked that one out recently in terms of what the future holds for him. And I was told that he'd been told that they're not looking actively looking to move him on. And that they see Ben Davis doing preseason, and I think I think that probably ties in with what I said before. Of they know that they can't leave themselves short, mm. and they don't know exactly a hundred percent what shape Van Dyke, Gomez, and Matip are in. The last the last I heard, Gomez was the more advanced of the three in terms of his rehab. Um, but I think it, it, it's common sense says that you know if you get to you know into preseason 
and and those players are coming back and look fit and healthy and and, and Davis isn't still isn't getting much of a look in then um you know I, I'm I'm sure you know they'll there they could potentially be a be a move there but you know again I think I, I wrote about it recently that Ben Davis was told by Klopp that he sees parallels with with Andy Robertson's tough first six months at Liverpool and having to bed in and adjust to the style and all the rest of it. So, um, but yeah, whether we'll ever see Ben Davis playing a competitive game for Liverpool, I've, I've, I've got my doubts because, you know, of course there were opportunities to use him during the running. And, and, and he wasn't Klopp very fit, to, to be honest with you, was he? No, but he did, he, he had a, he had a calf problem. He had a calf problem that, um, that hampered him a few times. So I think, I think there were, you know, there were a couple of occasions where, you know, it looked like he might be involved. And then, you know, he was very unfortunate. He, he did pick up a calf problem. But, you know, of course, when you come in, you know, when there was such a dearth of centre-backs and then you, you you can't get a game and then you know that Liverpool have just spent £35 million on another centre-back. They've got three other centre-backs, including the best centre-back in the world, coming back from injury. You know, I'm sure he must be looking at it thinking, you know, w- will I ever make that yeah. that Liverpool debut? But, you know, at the moment... It looks like he'll be involved in the friendlies unless unless a decent offer comes in in between. I've kind of got it in my head that he just needs a, a Jurgen Klopp pre-season. Yeah, I'm sure that will help him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I, I know because he didn't play. Some people have said to me, "Oh, you know, clearly he was. It was like almost you know Liverpool bought him with no intention of paying him, no intention of playing him." Um, to, to then sell him on and make a profit, but I, from what I've been told, that's that's not the case. They did, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like they plucked him out of nowhere. They they had had him watched extensively previously. Um, well, Williams was very very complimentary about him in an interview he did months and months and months before we we even signed him. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So he was, you know, he, he was, you know, he, uh, yeah. Of course, he was available, you know, a, a very small fee because of his his contract situation, but. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't go along with the idea that he was bought just to, no. to not to play him and then sell him on because you know, the reality was Liverpool were were desperate for centre backs. I just think they they didn't anticipate that 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 he would need as probably as long as he needed mm. to 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 bed in and then add that with the injury problems he had as well and he obviously never had the chance to show any of us what he can do. Just before I let you go, um, one player that does excite me for next season is Harvey Elliott, massive fan. Um, and I don't know how you feel about Harvey Elliott, but obviously he's had a great a great loan away at Blackburn. What's what, what have you heard with regards to uh, Harvey's role next season at the club? Yeah, well, again, um, he is he, he's been told he will be doing pre season at Liverpool. You know, he he can't wait to to get back and. Uh, and show Klopp how much he's developed in the last 12 months because um, you know he could have stayed put last season, um, but he was desperate to play football and he and he you know not only did he go and do that on a regular basis but he absolutely lit up the championship with with Blackburn and you know his his goals and assists and the way in which the people there speak about him you know um, just underlines you know how much of an impact he made. So, um, you know, he's still, he's still very young. He's still learning his trade, of course, but um, yeah, he doesn't want to go anywhere next season. You know, he wants to stay put and prove to Klopp that, that he can be someone he can rely on um, as Liverpool embark on a, on a challenge for the, the Premier League title. So, um, so again, I think with Harvey Elliott, probably the ball's in his court in terms of what happens in pre-season. Of course, 
if Liverpool were to bring in another attacking player, how does that impact in terms of what minutes he's likely to get? Um, but yeah, at, at the moment, I'd be I'd be absolutely amazed if Liverpool loaned him out again because I, I just don't really see what benefit there would be. I think you're you're much better off keeping someone like Harvey Elliott on board, and um, because I you know I, I think certainly when you look at say for example Shakiri goes well you know that I I you know I I I would rather watch Harvey Elliott play to be honest anyway I think you know he he is the future of Liverpool he's he's such a he's such an exciting talent and um so yeah I I hope you know I, I know that I know that's Harvey's plan have a big pre-season prove you belong at Liverpool for the 2021-22 season and um yeah he's more than capable of doing that great stuff mate well thanks very much have you got any, anything you're writing at the moment that people should be looking out for yeah, a few in, few interviews in the pipeline at the moment. So obviously looking into you know the, with with some of our data guys at the Athletic in terms of which which potential midfielders around Europe could could fit the bill in terms of a Wijnaldum replacement, and then um, also um, yeah meeting up tomorrow with um, so with with a couple of the ex Liverpool Academy lads who um, have just been released to kind of you know, tell their stories and you know what it's like being released and looking back on their time at Liverpool. And, and what the fu- future holds for them, because um, you know, of course, as we know, you know, it's it's, a, it's such a small number that a- absolutely make the grade in terms of those Premier League academies. And for a lot of the other boys, it's a case of picking up the pieces when they do get released and and look into the future. So uh, yeah, there should be plenty of stuff over on the Athletic. So anyway, James, thanks very much for your time, mate. Really, really appreciate it. And if you want to read James's articles, they are on The Athletics. Well worth um, subscribing to. And if you're watching us on YouTube, please uh, click uh, like and subscribe uh, for more videos. Thanks very much. Cheers, James. Thanks a lot, mate. Sorted. Cheers, Gav. Sports Social Podcast Network.